0: Yora, and welcome to PhytoMed's Herb Talk Podcast. I'm Charlene Benner, a qualified and registered naturopath medical herbalist at PhytoMed Medicinal Herbs. With an interest in research and phytotherapy, I am joined today by Phil Rasmussen, PhytoMed's founder and qualified pharmacist and medical herbalist. Phytomed's roots are embedded in traditional and clinical phytotherapy, combined with the latest research to produce premium herbal medicines made right here in New Zealand. Here at Herb Talk, we offer innovative insights and research on a wide range of phytomedicines, with a particular focus on New Zealand native herbs and their application in clinical practice for naturopaths, medical herbalists, and natural health practitioners. For more information, visit us phytomed.co.nz. Today's podcast, Phil and I are discussing hoheria and all of its main actions and uses, including its active compounds and its therapeutic effect for in-clinic use. Welcome, Phil.
1: Hello.
0: (laughs) We are looking forward to learning a little bit more about hoheria lace bark and its extraordinary benefits for client care. It's actually a favourite of mine, as it is such an amazing herb I've found in results in clinic, I've found it always very positive. Absolutely. Its first question is, how does it get its name? Obviously, for anyone that's ever seen it, it's got this intrinsic little lace-like pattern on its leaves. Yep. And can you tell us a bit more about its main active compound profile?
1: Okay. Um, so the name Hoheria, which is the Latin name, Hoheria polponia, um, is a Latinization of one of the Māori names for it. And like a lot of longer uh, species, it has a different name depending on which part of Aotearoa you're talking about. But Hoheri is, um, and Hohi and Fauhi are other names. But as you say, it's it's called lace bark, sometimes also ribbon wood, because it has, you know, this, this and, and sometimes thousand jacket. And all of that is a reflection of, of the fibre that it's very, very rich in. And of course, it was used widely for clothing and to make hats. It's very water resistant, that fibre, so it was preferable to um, harakiki fibre for things like eel traps. It wasn't as strong, but yeah, it was very, very popular. And even to make poi. You know, these days, poi unfortunately tend to be made out of plastic, but traditionally they use, use rao When that wasn't available or easy to get hold of, um, there was usually some ho here around that, that could be used. So it's got multiple uses, you know, and uh, it is a very versatile plant.
0: It's a wonderful, wonderful plant, isn't it? Full of polysaccharides, isn't it, for for gut health or this demulcent effect?
1: Yeah, the, I guess from the phyto, phytotherapeutic perspective, it is those polysaccharide hydrocolloids, so-called mucilage, that, that make it of relevance to us. And most, if not all of its known traditional and modern applications do tend to stem from the content, as content of those, yeah.
0: So, how do we get the best out of it? As a respiratory support ingredient and stomach tonic, we know we use it in both these areas. Tell us a little bit more about how you utilise it in clinic and how it fits into both those areas for gut health and respiratory support.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's important to explore both areas and to learn yourself how to use it in each of those, and and make up your own mind as to you know where if, or where you want to use it or both areas and. With hohere, again, dosage is really, really important in my experience. You know, a little bit doesn't really do much. You need to use quite a decent amount, particularly if you're using a fresh plant extract like we do at Finamage. We use the leaf rather than the bark, even though the bark was traditionally used. You know, we're using the leaf because it's much more accessible and it damages the tree less than than stripping the bark off. Even though it's a very, very sustainable and very fast-growing tree and there's no shortage of it, it's easy to cultivate as well. But, yeah, try it for both. I use it a lot for airways conditions, including asthma, not just for coughs and colds, but it is a, it is a true expectorant, just like all uh, polysaccharide hydrocolloid-rich plants are, such as marshmallow, comfrey, ribwort they're all good cough herbs, um, and so they help to break down phlegm. You know, when it's intractable, it's just not moving. They can also help to increase the, the secretion of mucus, and that's what an expectorant does. It helps the cilia to just, you know, move things a lot quicker, better out than in. And, of course, when it comes to cough or respiratory tract uh, ailments, the, a real plus with hohere is, like marshmallow in particular, it's actually really sweet. That's quite sweet. So
0: quite, quite easy to take, isn't it? Not like yeah. our other herbs we've been discussing when we talk about hops and we <laughs> talk about yeah. other ones. Um, I mean, andrographis would be another one we could plant right in there. You're yeah. not going to go to the fridge and grab it and just drink it unless there's a therapeutic no, benefit.
1: definitely not. And Kumuraho is not the best tasting oh, okay. coffee <laughs> either, or, or Kohe koi, But koe yeah. oh, yeah, is really good for children. It's really safe and you can use quite large doses um, and it's very sustainable. So... Yeah, it's really good for coughs, chest conditions in general. When it comes to digestive conditions, we use it a, a little bit like a Gaviscon or an antacid or an ameprazole or Losec. It, it is, I regard it as as a bit of a specific for reflux or dyspepsia. So again, wherever people are using that those types of drugs, which is all too often these days because of stress and mm. poor diet and. Definitely. You know, unhealthy gut microbiome, we're seeing a lot more of those types of conditions now. We did 20, 30 years ago when I worked in the pharmacy. There was a lot of it back then as well. So it can be, you know, hohere can be really useful for people with sort of borderline, you know, do they need a metazole every day or maybe they're using a lot of um, gaviscon a bit too often. You know, maybe it's pregnancy related because I think hohere is actually a really safe herb if you, if you don't OD on it it's gentle, it's safe, it can be used alongside some of those drugs as well, I think.
0: Which is a real plus, isn't it? Because usually people with long-term or chronic gastro disorders or gastrointestinal disorders are on a lot of drugs, sadly, aren't they? So it's lovely that hoheria can be used in that way, right? It can be used to help coat and soothe and...
1: Yeah, protect, I think. Protect, step by step. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Until
0: you're a bit better.
1: That's right.
0: And it's very it's a very bit of a mysterious plant. Like if you see it in the bush, it doesn't stand out. It's like kumara with these pretty little yellow flowers, which almost say pick me, but then, you, you know, it doesn't look bitter or horrible, kumara. It certainly doesn't give anything away about its taste, the appearance of it. But um, Hody is a very, you know, it's just a leaf and a bark. There's nothing else yep. that sort of gives it away, although it's quite pretty when you're up close. But it has obviously these amazing healing properties that yep. we know once, like the med with the fresh leaf tincture. Yeah. We're it's, it,
1: it's really diverse, actually, isn't it? You know, the leaf structure, it the is. types, the subtypes. And um, <coughs> I think a lot of what we see, particularly in the upper North Island, is not true hohere, popolnia. I think we're seeing quite a bit of hybridisation. Oh,
0: that's um, very interesting. It is everywhere, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, You can um, easily walk past it and not recognise it until, right. you know, you've identified it once and then you start <coughs> seeing it everywhere. It's a bit like that new <coughs> car, you know?
1: Yep, <laughs> yeah, it's very humble. It doesn't it's sort of stand out, humble. as you say, like Kūmarau and other small things. No. But the flowers are gorgeous. You know, when there's flowering between April and June, July, Yes. Um, those, those white, creamy flowers are actually quite aromatic and really nice.
0: But there's no medicinal use there that we know of, actually. Not, as of
1: not here, that we know is, of, yeah. there probably will be. It's just. The, time. You know, we need research. <laughs> we need research. <laughs> we need someone else. <laughs> as we keep saying, <laughs> yeah.
0: moving that forward. What else can we use it for? Are there any other lesser known benefits, I'm sure, for the practitioners listening today? They probably have not heard there was clothing made out of already. So yeah. what else medicinally was it used for or is it used for?
1: <clears throat> I think probably the, even more than anything else, topical conditions. So burns, you know, cuts, uh, anywhere where you would use things like demulcent herbs like comfrey or mm. uh psyllium seed, you know, these things... Really help to soothe and protect skin against airborne contaminants or uh, microbes. So protective. So in wound dressings, uh, just like certain seaweeds and those plants that we just talked about, uh, increasingly being researched as being good uh, templates or scaffolds for for wound uh, care preparations. You know, to to be slow release. Vehicles for for other drugs and herbs. I think hauhiri can be really good topically for a whole range of things. So mixed with other things, of course, you know it was used with Toki oil sometimes if it was an infection. But even when people would get poisoned from eating improperly prepared karaka berries or tutu, hauhiri was one of the herbs that was used um, as an antidote. So, and, and for the fevers and the general systemic acute unwellness that people have when they're poisoned from those things. So it's it's got a lot of other goodies in it that we just don't know and I'm not advocating that you you try it or rely on it for those particular purposes if you are close to A&E you want to get someone there if there's a poisoning <laughs> like course, that
0: yeah,
1: um, a, but it might yeah. be useful to know yeah it could well have some neuroprotective properties for instance because both those plant poisoning, the, the, you know, the tutin from tutu and, and karaka or poisoning, it's, it's a neurological type, you know. It's
0: working on that pathway, Pathology, isn't it? it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's working on those connections, isn't it, sites yep. or <clears throat> impulses along that um, neurotransmitter pathway, as you say. Yeah, that's very interesting. So it's soothing, qualities keep giving.
1: Indeed, yeah, it's more versatile than what we know, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's got some amazing benefits there. What herbs does it traditionally blend well with? And as we know, it was probably used for clothing as a first traditional use, so we know it's quite resilient and hardy then, isn't it, by nature? If it can put clothes together, it's that kind of fibre, tough fibre. What does it blend well with in your experience?
1: I think it it seems to blend well with a lot of things, actually. It it is really, really versatile as, you know... Seaweeds are as carriers, you know. It's a bit different to tannin-rich plants, which can, you know, precipitate out alkaloids, for instance. So, you know, I've, I've found it doesn't seem to separate out too much if you give uh, herbs like kuminoa with it for coughs, as, as we said earlier, or koi koi or hizip, Those bitter herbs, it's really good. To, to put some here in there for flavour. It's not as sweet as liquorice, of course, but, you know, and you do need to use decent doses, but... It
0: helps um, tone, tone it down, though, just helps quite... Yeah, a absolutely. Yeah. It's a
1: good one. But I think, you know, it was used a lot also with harakiki, the leaf, the, the butt of the leaves, you know, where you get that white yes. fibrous material, those white yes. butts really good combined with harakiki, with um, hohere. So... And probably a whole lot of other things, but, yeah. we know
0: harakiki, again, has a demulsant effect, doesn't it? Yep. So And in larger doses, harakiki is good for constipation, obviously the laxative. Horehohere, you also fit into that in big enough doses?
1: Yeah, just? I so think, like, like all polysaccharide hydrocolloid uh, preparations, if you have above a certain dose, you can get an emetic effect. Yes. You know, you can vomit, but also you, you can get a laxative effect. And, and you know... We would, probably in the UK, we would have been taught, if it was endemic there, that it's a a perient, not quite as strong as a laxative, but gently just moving things along a little bit quicker. I've never had experience of it being having a true laxative effect in patients, but I reckon if you drank a whole lot of it, it, it probably would. If you were dedicated <laughs>
0: enough, it yeah. would have that effect. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yep. Well, I think there's another great, probably a little lesser known, so an unknown benefit to Pohetti in some cases, maybe. Yep. For some people, it's a benefit because they may need that and it might act in a gentle way rather than in a yep. strong purgative sense. Yep. It's quite interesting how it's almost has a natural purgative personality doesn't it like will make you vomit or, well hence maybe that's why it was good for poisonings as well right
1: yeah possibly like possibly yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> well, and, and, and as well as being out. used topically for those you know spider bites you know katipo yes. bites etc because yes. you know, a lot of these things if you know how to make a really good poultice and I don't, you know. I'm sure that some of the traditional tohanga, you know, um, did We've years been and years ago. we at it. Yes. Um, yeah. Really high tech sort of wound care preparations. And you have to take care
0: of their patients. Wow.
1: Yeah. It would have <laughs> been a good base for delivering other, you know, more antimicrobial, more directly anti-inflammatory herbs. I'm sure. Yeah. And
0: if you were living off the land and living in that, you know, sort of condition where you could uh, source those the wildcraft around you. It would have been a perfect first
1: aid yep, kit tool. really readily accessible. <laughs> yep.
0: And our last but certainly not least question for today about the beautiful hoheri Is it truly an effective and perfect replacement for the endangered but brilliant slippery arm? Everyone out there listening today will know much about slippery arm and how well that works, but in your experience, can this be used as that great replacement to fill that void? As we know, slippery arm's endangered and we want to use less of it if we can.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, even though I've been advocating for that very thing, for us to use it as an alternative to slippery elm for more than 25 years now, I can't really stand and say hand on heart that it is as efficacious in the same percentage of people, and yet I still believe it is It is likely to be so. But part of the problem is sourcing and, and producing enough dried hoheria. And I tried it once many years ago because... You know, Prakis kept asking, how come you don't sell dried hoheria leaf? And it's, it's the labour costs, it's the, the time it takes. I think the bark is much more viable in that regard. But, but we do know, you know, even fresh does you know, produce a lot of mucilage, but you will get more if you dry it. Um, it will have a greater swelling index. You can add more moisture, more water to it. And then it does become much more equivalent to dried slippery elm powder. But there's still a need to do this, definitely, in fact, even more than 25 years ago. Because slippery elm, I'm, I, I'm finding out more lately as I take more of an interest in sustainability with herbal medicine. A lot of slippery elm isn't actually cultivated. It's still wild crafted, which is... Not great, really. And also, not only that, but it's... And and not only Dutch elm disease, which is a a disease that we've known about for a long time, and with climate change, you know, these sorts of pathogens, like the kauri dieback here in West Auckland, it's a natural pathogen that's there. Normally, it's when the environment changes that it starts becoming pathological, you know? And there's another bacteria... Elm Yellows, I think it's called, that is also starting to attack uh, almost fulva, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we need to be concerned about long-term security of, of slippery elm supplies. Yeah. So we need alternatives yeah. and I mean, wouldn't it be great if Aotearoa we had, uh, you know, instead of just, you know, 100 acres of of pinus radiata, we had 100 acres of hohere poponia and we had a factory nearby and we were drying the (laughs) bark, making it into this amazing powder and exporting it to herbalists around the world as an alternative to Supreme. Wouldn't that be great? I think you're
0: onto something there, Phil.
1: Well, yep, with a bit of government support and, you know, and and a whole lot of money, anything's yeah, possible. Yeah, the
0: idea um, is the starting point and then making it reality requires some further steps. But but what a great idea, right, uh, yep. to be able to grow and harvest our own natives rather than just wildcrafting. Wildcrafting certainly has its place, but yep. if we can make it fit for purpose, then we can let the whole world know more about our natives here, can't we? Yep.
1: Uh, and that applies to a whole lot of increasingly endangered and at risk species that we import, of course. I think you know. And there's so much potential with our native species to to act as really efficacious alternatives and much, much more sustainably. So
0: grow them in a sustainable and yep. in a way that they can be harvest for a long time and obviously in a way that you're also respecting you know, the plants and the Yep, their...
1: yeah, of Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, thanks, Phil. Um, that's been some amazing Q&A on Hoheri, and I'm sure everyone leaves knowing a little bit more whether it's not... Now they know they can make clothes out of their Hoheri plus respiratory and stomach tonic. We know that it's maybe this brilliant option instead of the slippery arm, hopefully, as we go forward for stomach and gut disorders... And we have something else at our fingertips that again is of you know immense value for our clients and for better patient outcomes. We look forward to bringing you more Phytotherapy Talk in our next Herb Talk podcast, of course. Kia Kaha from the Phytomed team.
1: Thanks, everyone. Ka Kiti. Thanks, Charlie.